I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Small businesses bring Utah together. They inspire goodness and connect communities. These are their stories from Mighty Main Street, brought to you by the Utah Office of Tourism and Visit Salt Lake. Here's our host, Chris Redgrave, on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Mighty Main Street is a business show about our small businesses in Salt Lake County and the state of Utah. These extraordinary business owners share their journeys of how they're thriving in today's business environment. Visit Salt Lake and Utah Office of Tourism make this program possible. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. I have Allison Enerson with us, and she is the director of the Downtown Farmers Market. And I know that Allison has been on board as it's expanded, and we're going to talk about this because the summer farmers market is coming up, and I know that I think Allison just wrapped up the winter. So I can't wait to talk to Allison about this because it has been so incredibly successful. Allison, welcome to Mighty Main Street. And by the way, you're brought to us by Utah Office of Tourism and Visit Salt Lake. They asked us to give you a call. They want to make sure that we're giving you the love and support to continue the great work that you're doing for downtown Salt Lake City and beyond. So, Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, and thank you for that intro. Yes, well, it's a pleasure, and I've been going to the farmer's market forever. I haven't been to the winter, but anyway, I know that's just wrapping up. But give us an idea of how this, the genesis of this, how did this get started in the first place? I know we're going back through time, but give us the idea of the genesis of the farmer's market in uh, Salt Lake City. Well, believe it or not, this will be our 30th season. No! Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's true. Very excited. Started out with, I think it was six vendors. Um, Bob Farrington, the original director of the Downtown Alliance, driving up and down the Fruit Highway, begging farmers to come to downtown Salt Lake City and share their wares. In a normal year, we have about 190 food vendors and about 100 art and craft vendors. Of course, COVID, we really took a hit last year, so we had to drop down to less than 100 vendors, but we'll be back up on the numbers a little bit this season. Uh, It's very exciting. A lot of uh, really great businesses. We will have some new vendors this year, which we didn't have last year. So I'm just, you know, plotting and planning and trying to expand as much as we can and still keep some of our COVID safety uh, protocols in place and make sure that it's a healthy and, and fun experience for everybody. I know that you just finished the winter market, correct? The winter market ends on April 17th. And when did that expand? When did the downtown farmer's market, the original, when did you guys go, hey, let's do winter? How long has that been? This is our eighth season of the winter market, and uh, it's been really, really successful. We started out at the Rio Grande Depot, um, and we did it there. Well, we actually started out doing pop-up locations around the city, and then we went permanently into the Rio Grande Depot. And Unfortunately, with the earthquake last year, the Rio Grande Depot sustained uh, quite a bit of damage. So we had to find a new location this year, which is never fun. Um, But our friends at the Gateway invited us to come and do the market there. And so it's been wildly successful. We're pleased to continue it probably at the Gateway again next season as the Rio Grande Depot uh, gets its, its seismic upgrade and repair. Well, Allison, I am thrilled to hear that you guys went to the Gateway. Um, because, I mean, look at the renaissance at the Gateway. I am so excited about that. I got a little bit nervous when it went through some of its impacts and challenges. Uh, but it is coming back in a big way. 
Yeah, they're doing, you know, they've expanded with a lot of business, um, not necessarily a lot of retail, but like the food businesses are doing really well there. And they've had so many corporations come in. And so I think it's been a good path for them. And I'm excited to see us um, be able to go back out into restaurants and see some of those businesses really thrive again. Well, speaking of thriving businesses, Allison, it's legendary what the uh, downtown farmers markets have done for business, for small business. I mean, if you stop and think about it, where else can you just go and take your product where it's in public and where you have the actual public tasting or trying your product on or say, hey, listen, I think I want to buy this hat or whatever it looks like and being able to see if this is if this can go. You know, instead of having to invest a bunch of money and, and get a, a brick, and, brick and mortar somewhere, I'm, I'm just going to test it out at the farmer's market. What kind of examples do you have of successful businesses that have launched because of the farmer's market? Well, there are literally dozens and dozens. And I think the most famous one, of course, is Jorge Piero and Rico Brand. They're thriving again. And uh, Jorge just had to move locations, but his business is doing incredibly well. He started out with refried beans in the park, of course, 25 years ago now. But there are a lot of other examples. A lot of people are uh, falling in love with Beltex Meats. They started at the market and now have a brick-and-mortar location that they're growing out of right by Liberty Park. There's Bitters Lab. They have a new uh, location. If you're into high-end beverages, Bitters are a really great thing. And that's another great artisan product that has a brick-and-mortar store. Everyone's familiar with Minnie's Cupcakes. They are still hanging in there, and everyone still loves cupcakes. There's Ruby Snap cookies, lots of other people that are in like places like Harmon's and Whole Foods, like the Soap Lady. Uh, Cosette's Basque products have their own brick-and-mortar store. There's a lot. <laughs> Alice, I've got a Who question. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, well, you'll, you'll think of them, uh, and we'll make sure we give them a shout-out. I've got a question for you. Do you have some people who just want to just do the farmer's market? Like they don't want to go brick and mortar. They don't want to turn into a big manufacturer. They just or they want, don't want to manufacture their product. They just want to be able to do that. Do you just have some tried and true there every year? Yeah, we do. I mean, that's we love our, our tried and trues. Um, and there are people that sort of do it as a, a side hustle or a hobby. Sure. Um, but we, we really are always looking to find those people that are wanting to expand, wanting to grow. We, we look at ourselves really as a business incubator. You are. Um, so if, if we can get people in and give them their start uh, with a very low you know, entry to, barrier to entry, then we can flush them out into the community and then we can bring in someone new. And so that's really what we're looking to do. Oh, that makes sense. That sounds like that's your core mission. So what does it take? I mean, if, you know, let's just say I come up with the perfect whatever it is, what does it take for me to get into the farmer's market? And what kind of uh, cost are we talking about? Well, it depends on who you are in terms of uh, what you pay. So our food vendors primarily, prepared food vendors primarily pay about 10% of their daily sales. So that's another one of those sort of the better they do, the better we do. Sure. So we're always looking to build really successful vendors. Um, farmers and ranchers pay, pay a flat fee. Uh, which is lower, and that also supports our mission to uh, preserve agriculture and support our ranching and farming community across the state. So there's those two things. If you're just, you know, you, maybe you want to sell your artisan bread, you have a bakery, really all you need is a commercial kitchen. You don't have to own your own kitchen, but you have to be licensed in a commercial kitchen. And then you kind of just have to have a tent, a table, a cash register, a cash bag, however you want to do it. Um, and you can kind of come and and test it out without too much trouble. Now, we don't let everybody in. We get far more applications than we can support, but we do pick some of what we think are the most innovative and exciting new products around, and um, that's kind of why we're unique. We were the first farmer's market to have a kombucha vendor, and 
people were like, what is kombucha? And now there's a million brands of kombucha on the store, uh, in the store shelves. So that's what we do. And <laughs> I, I know that uh, that you contracted with your vendors, but you, you see this expansion. So for Farmer's Market this summer, do you see you guys coming, do you see the Farmer's Market coming back to the numbers where you were in uh, 2019? No, we don't. Um, it'll be, we're dropping, we, we had 10 feet of space between all of our vendors last year to allow for social distancing and to allow for sort of lines. So we're dropping it down to uh, a little bit more. We're dropping it down to five feet. Uh, so we will be able to allow probably another 30 vendors on the food side. Good. And we're bringing back a partial art and craft market. We had no art and craft market last year because we were sort of doing what other markets around the country were doing, which was considering ourselves an essential business, essential food business, um, which I believe farmers markets are. So, but this year we are bringing back some art and craft vendors. I will help to squeeze in 50 art and craft vendors on the south side of the park. And they're excited. They really took a hit last year, our art and craft community. So I'm going to bring back as many of them as I can and give them as many opportunities to vend as I can. I love hearing that. I think that's cool. I think it's a great, you know what, we have to be able to support our local arts community just the same way that you're doing the business applications. I mean, it's the same thing. It's a form of business, you know, it's an expressive form of business. Um, And so you're getting tremendous support from Gateway. You really feel the love from them. They're really bringing you in. Oh, yes. Yeah, they've been great. They've been very accommodating. They let us do vendors outside when it was nice last fall. They let us keep the doors open and the heat on so we have good ventilation. They They've done everything they could to accommodate us, so I, I'm really grateful to the team at the Gateway. Allison, what got you in the business? How were you the director of the Downtown Farmers Market? What got you in the business? <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> um, I started teaching canning classes for the former director, so I, I became like a very, very, very part-time employee of the Downtown Alliance, and that was 10-plus years ago. Um, and then I started the winter market under uh, the leadership of Kim Anjali, still a dear friend. And when she decided to go, I, I got the opportunity to take the helm. So it all started with pickles. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're going to have to hear about the pickles. We're going to take a quick break. I have Allison Anderson with me, and she's the director of Downtown Farmers Market uh, with the summer and the winter market. And so we'll be right back with Allison. Allison, thank you for being with us. Thanks, Chris. If you want to hear this interview again, download the KSL News Radio app or listen anywhere you find great podcasts. Just search Mighty Main Street. We're coming right back on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.